Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Drew, for all of my listeners, they know that I have been working in the area of homelessness for some time uh, through our own foundation, uh, which is Compassionate Communications Foundation. And all the authors who listen to my podcast, thank you. Thank you for your many years of support and donations. I sincerely appreciate it. It's gone a long way. Uh, helping the homeless. On the other end of the line, he wouldn't have normally have been in San Diego, but he's in Vacaville this morning uh, doing some stuff with his kids, uh, is Drew Mosier. Drew and I, um, I connected because I was doing some research on homelessness in San Diego and the various nonprofits, and Drew and I connected, uh, and we've now built a strong alliance, and I wanted him to come on the show and talk with Uh, all of the listeners about what Lucky Duck is doing uh, in San Diego to assist the homeless. Drew, good day to you. Hey, Greg. Great to be with you. Good to be with you as well. Um, I want to let our listeners know a little bit about you, kind of your background. It's always important. Before we get into kind of the important questions around what's going on with homelessness in San Diego, what is Lucky Duck doing um, how can people out there get involved and what are the ways they can do it? So Drew is the executive director of Lucky Duck Foundation, um, which raises money to fund, uh, activate, and lead high-impact programs. And for all of you who are interested, you can go to Lucky Duck. Uh, it is just LuckyDuckFoundation.com. And we will put a link in the blog to that as well so that all of you can get there. So it's LuckyDuckFoundation.org. I'm sorry. I think I said .com, but it's .org. Um, So he's been in this role since 2019. Uh, He's passionate about facilitating the generosity of donors who are committed to immediately helping those suffering from homelessness. Uh, Prior to joining Lucky Duck, Drew was the executive director and president of the San Diego Hall of Champions and San Diego Sports Association. Prior to that, he was the director of basketball operations and video coordinator for men's basketball at University of San Diego. Uh, Drew earned a business degree and an MBA from the University of Redlands, uh, where he also played basketball for the Bulldogs. And during his senior season, his team set the all-time scoring record for the NCAA division by averaging 132.4 points per game. That's a lot, Drew. (laughs) I can see why you guys set a record. Uh, he's married to his wife, Whitney, and then she graduated from University of Iowa, where she played soccer for the Hawkeyes. As you guys can see, they're a sports family. That's what he's doing up in Vacaville with the kids. He has three kids, uh, Blake, Bo, and Remy, uh, and they all share this affinity for sports. Well, Drew, thanks for being on the show and taking the time this morning to speak with the listeners And I think to give them an idea or an overview would probably be good. Um, What's the challenge with the current homeless situation in San Diego? What are some of the key challenges that Lucky Duck faces? And how are you working to address that? Sure. It's a real simple answer. Okay. (laughs) Dealing with homelessness. (laughs) I I say that in jest. Uh, First of all, thanks for the introduction, as you can tell when you boil it all down, I'm just a dumb jock, uh, but sincerely <laughs> believe uh, in teamwork 
And, and I think ultimately that's what it takes to address homelessness is actually something more than teamwork, but like teams of teams coming together uh, to address it and, and really try to do so in a unified manner. And that's, that's what Lucky Duck Foundation endeavors to do. Uh, our missions to alleviate the suffering of homelessness throughout San Diego County. Our co-founders match all donations up to one and a half million dollars per year. And so we raise that and then some when we're always out there, you know, pounding the pavement to, to garner additional support. And then we'll invest it into programs uh, that are tangible and meant to uh, have a high and immediate impact. So to your question about what's the, the current state of homelessness, it's, it's moving in a, a troubling direction for several reasons. Uh, housing costs continue to rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks struggle with, with addiction and, and behavioral health. Uh, there's loss of employment um, and the list goes on. And so where we put our efforts largely is providing immediate pathways off the streets as quickly and cost effectively as possible. Sometimes government likes to uh, lo- loves to talk about adding housing, which I think we can all agree housing is an ideal outcome, but it's it's extremely costly and it's very long term. Uh, we say if if you focus on housing, it, it, that's like telling passengers on a sinking ship, hang tight, we'll build you some lifeboats sometime in the next two to twenty years because yeah. that long, if not longer, to add or acquire housing. So we. The, the Lucky Duck Foundation um, has has purchased and and constructed several uh, industrial tent structures that can go up within months and provide hundreds of beds for literally pennies on the dollar compared to the cost of housing. And then we fund a multitude of of programs uh, once people move off the streets, such as employment and job training. Uh, we've supported more than 20 different programs that that help connect people to employment or or provide the training that they need to go out and and secure livable wage jobs. There's a lot more to it than that, but that's a hopefully a high level overview of of who we are and 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 what we do. And it's an awesome board of directors that sincerely care about driving results, uh, do not care about credit, and and really try to bring together the the region to row in the same direction, which I can get into more detail, you know, later. Yeah. And I think we should look for listeners out there. um, You know, they hear the news at the night and the evening news, you know, about homelessness. Um, Many of them have never stepped into the world or touched it or don't understand it. Um, But you addressed a couple of things there. One, the psychological issues that the people have. Um, two, the lack of homelessness. Three, the length of time it takes to get these government housing projects going, like Father Joe's just finished not that long ago, I think 420 some odd units in downtown San Diego. Um, but we have approximately, if I'm not mistaken, about 9,000 people in San Diego homeless uh, as we currently speak, or is it greater than that? Yeah, it's it's slightly more than that if you're going off the point in time count, which is the annual count done, mm-hmm. which is just a snapshot. It's one day over the course of the year. Right. The the more accurate number is, you know, how many people touch the system over the course of a year. And unfortunately, the number is probably three to four times that. Um, and so there's there's far too many pub people suffering on the streets. And and that's where we try to whether it's 
purchasing and, and, and constructing industrial tent structures or pushing on government to open and activate underutilized government properties, providing those immediate pathways off the streets is, is critical to help people start the process of, of recovery and, and getting onto a much safer. Yeah. And I, I think life. rehabilitating, to be honest with you, because as I've been out there on the streets, just speaking with people, um, as I told you before, the number one issue will come out is the rent was too high. They got kicked out. Something happened. They lost a job. There's a slippery slope many times toward homelessness. Um, a lot of people just think that it's drugs. Drugs could have aggravated it because they maybe didn't have enough money. But frequently, it is this loss of housing. And one of the critical aspects you were addressing in homelessness is ensuring access to food and shelter, which you just said, temporary shelter. And what I find really very interesting is that Lucky Duck collaborates with a lot of other local entities, uh, non-governmental entities, most of them, uh, and some governmental entities uh, to provide the essential services. Speak with us about this teamwork that you're doing and some of these other agencies because I know you guys have a program where people can come and volunteer, they can make lunch boxes, those get distributed by another organization, not your organization. Um, you're some of the people that drive the trucks are people that have rehabilitated through your program. So I think it's important for all these touch points for people to kind of understand how your lucky duck is basically taking this whole team of people and trying to collaborate with with most of them. Yeah, I'll give you a few examples. We have a food and water outreach program that's meant to provide sustenance and hydration to people living unsheltered. And it was launched in response to COVID when all the community and faith-based feedings went away. And so we provide cold, non-perishable meals to anywhere from 500 to 1,000 people daily uh, where we purchase the food, we pack it through the help of volunteers, and then anywhere from 20 to 30 different organizations and outreach teams pick up those meals uh, from us and distribute them throughout San Diego County. Uh, we've distributed over 1.7 million meals to date, and really the objectives are twofold. It's one, to provide people with some sustenance and hydration, but two, it's to equip those outreach workers with the a meaningful tool to build trust and rapport and relationship to help people move off the streets. And it's something that we can't do on our own, but by collaborating with the 20 to 30 different organizations, they can go out and, and distribute those meals. And we surveyed the outreach workers to say, Hey, what's, is this working? What are you seeing? And 85% of them said it improves their interactions with people such that so that they are more likely to connect to the resources that exist and, and move off the streets and, and find a brighter pathway. So that's one example. Another example is I mentioned the, the more than 20 different employment and job training programs that we support. Uh, one of them is a partnership between the Salvation Army, Feeding San Diego, and the Lucky Duck Foundation, which hires shelter residents at the Salvation Army as food rescue route drivers, Feeding San Diego provides the rescue vehicle and all the rescue routes, and then funding from the Lucky Duck Foundation covers all wages plus gas and maintenance and insurance to employ the shelter residents. Well, so far, that program's rescued over 600,000 pounds of food 
and every person that's gone through it has secured full-time uh, long-term employment and they're still housed. So that's something that none well, of speak us about do. speak about rescued food. I mean, you use the term lightly. Um, I know what it means, but I think some listeners might not. Right. So when you're rescuing food, speak about what actually happens, because, you know, when you look at sustainability of these things, um, most of these organizations like yours, even you've got a pretty good budget, but they're running on minimal budgets. Uh, to try and keep this stuff going. They may be getting some grants from the government, some of them. Um, Many of them are by donation, just like Lucky Duck. Um, But when you rescue this food, what do you mean? This is perfectly viable food that would otherwise end up in the landfill. And so these uh, residents at Salvation Army go out to places like Costco and Amazon and Starbucks and other retail locations uh, to to snag this perfectly viable food, and then they bring it back to their food pantry to distribute it to folks who are homeless or on the brink of homelessness. Uh, so they've got some sustenance. And feeding San Diego, that's their bread and butter is is food rescue. And Salvation Army is all about rehabbing people, putting a roof over their heads, and giving them meaningful employment opportunities. And so by these three entities coming together, we can accomplish something that really none of us could do on our own. And so that's that's one example of the class. Are, the, are these so, agencies, Drew, like, um, you know, where you're rescuing the food? You said Starbucks and Amazon and Costco, and you mentioned three big names that everybody knows. Um, the, you know, obviously, there's probably a lot of agencies that would like to rescue food. Um, and I know Feeding San Diego gets it from Vons and they get it from other places as well. Are you also going to those grocery store chains or are you letting uh, Feeding San Diego kind of be the primary source for their trucks to drive into Feeding San Diego to get that rescued food? Yeah, Feeding San Diego takes the lead on which locations to rescue from. They have okay. contracts with those uh, uh, retailers, those, those companies. And so that's where we're all trying to leverage each other's strong suits where we're about, you know, raising money to fund tangible programs that can be quantified and help rehab and, and support people. Feeding San Diego is all about rescuing food and they know where to go and what time of day and which, what vendors to provide it from. And then Salvation Army is, is putting a roof over people's head and, and giving them meaningful employment opportunities in a, in a much brighter pathway. Give an example of Salvation's Army um, giving some of the homeless opportunity to work. What what would that look like? You find somebody out on the street. I think these real life examples are really true. You have a couple that you profile at your website, but about gentlemen that have actually made it from being out on the street to now driving a truck to helping other homeless. So it's gone full circle. Oh, for sure. So like Emiliano is an example. He was on the streets. Uh, battling addiction and and Salvation Army would outreach to him and and hey you know come on come on inside let's help you uh, uh, find a much healthier pathway in life and he resisted and resisted finally he said okay I need to turn things around so he came in uh, uh, got a place to stay and they gave him this employment opportunity well he did gangbusters he ultimately moved on or moved up to oversee the program 
And, and when you've got that experience and credibility to then do the same for others, it creates this great, uh, you know, full circle type of, uh, experience where they can then go out. People like Emiliano can go out, save other people's lives, give them meaningful employment opportunities, but there's room for growth. And these jobs are, they're meant to be a stepping stone to something more long term and, and live, you know, livable wage type jobs. And he's a, a living example of that. In fact, I think it was Good Morning America came out last year and did a profile on that, this particular collaboration and Emiliano himself. Um, I'm sure it's on our website if you want to see it. And, and so, yeah, the, and those types of individual success stories are, are what it's all about, where uh, you see the, the individual's life change through, you know, meaningful collaboration and, and a little bit of resources to help them, uh, you know, move onward and, and upward in the world. At a fundamental level, though, uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember when we had um, very strong mental health programs. And um, I'm not going to say that the people that I speak with don't have some mental health. Many of them do have mental health issues. And a lot of them will tell you that they don't want to get off of the streets. They don't want to go back into housing, right? You can actually speak with them and they'll say that. Um, you know, this issue is that you deal with includes a diverse range of individuals with unique needs, let's face it. Um, and how does Lucky Duck Foundation kind of, you've talked about this, how you're getting food. Um, Let's talk about the mental health thing, if we could, for a minute. You're dealing with families. You're dealing with individuals that are struggling. And in many cases, there's mental health issues there. Who are you collaborating with in San Diego that you've had the most effective um, results with in helping people with the mental health issues associated with homelessness? Yeah, when when we look at how we think we can have this uh, strongest impact. Ultimately, we settled on let's focus on seniors and let's focus on youth uh, for this year. And the the needs of each of those populations is much different. Seniors, yeah. uh, unfortunately, it's the largest and, and fastest growing segment of the homeless populations. Is uh, so many of them live on a fixed income and. We all know what the cost of housing and, and inflation is doing. So it's just, it's bad economics. That population though, largely is, uh, becomes homeless for economic reasons. Very little addiction, right. very little mental health, mm-hmm. uh, very little criminal behavior. It's always, it's always money with them. Yeah. When you, when you shift to youth, on the other hand, um, 50% of the chronically homeless population was homeless as youth. And so it's, we believe it's critical to, as one service provider says, to catch those kids while the cement is still wet, because um, you can completely change the trajectory of their lives. And so, and their mental health needs and issues are, are much higher and more common than seniors. So some, some successful collaborations uh, we've been able to implement is, there's a few of them. One of them was uh, through the Monarch School in San Diego, which is for homeless youth. Uh, they have a, a solid model that, in addition to the education, provides their youth and families with with mental health um, supportive services. Is that the trauma those 
youth are dealing with and their families is is significant to say the least. And so they've got a pretty solid model that they wanted to take beyond their bricks and mortar uh, of their current location to a, a few other schools um, that have a high homeless population. So we said, all right, let's, we offered them a, a, a matching challenge. If they could go out and, and raise the other half as a fairly significant contribution, you know, we would get behind them and, and they were able to go out and, and raise it fairly quickly, implemented it at several different schools and nearly 500 youth benefited from these increased services. Um, so that's one example. Another example is um, there's a 13 year old who started his own nonprofit organization uh, to benefit youth. And he every week goes down to Perkins Elementary which is actually right down the road from the Monarch, Monarch School, high homeless population. And he simply brings some basketballs and a coach and he, he plays basketball with these kids for an hour. And the reports from that principal in that school are through the roof for how powerful of a program it is simply to give kids an opportunity to be active, have that feeling of, uh, uh, you know, being included in a group. And, and so we were able to support him. We were able to organize a, uh, a Harlem Globetrotter out there to come and visit the kids. And the Harlem Globetrotters were, were in town. And, you know, something simple like that was, could totally brighten those kids' days. And, and the principal, uh, just completely raved about it. So those are a couple examples. The, 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 for folks who are unsheltered, uh, out on the streets dealing with, uh, you know, severe mental health issues. That's, that's uh, a challenge to say the least and where there's simply not enough uh, behavioral health beds and resources throughout the County. It's an area that we'll um, uh, focus on here in, in the future. And we think that the County is poised to do some, some fairly impactful things given their resources and, and focus. Um, but, you know, in the mean, and there's several others I could rattle off, but hopefully those are two, you know, good examples of, of where and how we've gotten involved largely on the youth side, um, because that's where the, the issues can start and simply are much more common. Well, I think homelessness in any city, San Diego included, um, becomes a political issue, um, to say the least, uh, you know, hey, you're not going to build housing next to me. You're, you've got these issues. Let's get these people off the street. You know, all people have to do is read a newspaper, go on the internet, and or watch television. They're going to see all kinds of conflicting stories. And with that, brings a question to me. You know, it's it's really this uh, homelessness is you know, you got all these intersections of all these agencies, some of them governmental agencies, you got people with lack of health care, you're trying to death youth and the aging population who are homeless. Um, and you know, healthcare becomes an issue an issue. How does Lucky Duck Foundation advocate for systemic change to create some lasting impact on homeless in San Diego? Because, you know, I know that Father Joe's has always said the the primary reason is housing. Well, you said at the beginning of this podcast, you know, yeah, it's a sinking ship. You want to wait, and, you know, two years, 10 years, however long it's going to take. And so you guys have done a wonderful job at putting up what I would call 
permanent temporary housing because that housing is really a little more permanent than most of them. Um, what it, how do you see this getting from where you are now to someplace where I'm not saying we're going to end homelessness, but at least so that we don't have quite the issue where Lucky Duck is heavily involved in that. Yeah, when our group got involved, um, Peter Seidler, who's the owner of the Padres, he's he sits on our executive committee and is is very closely involved. And Dan Shea is also a longtime business and civic leader. And those two teamed up uh, back in 2016 to say, you know, this issue is, is getting out of hand. There's seemingly little, little uh, leadership or action around the, the uh, around helping people. And so they organized a, a weekly meeting of other business people in town to determine how the private sector plus philanthropy through the Lucky Duck Foundation could influence change and set out from the beginning saying that we do not care who's a Democrat or who's a Republican. Uh, everything we do is going to be based on facts. Uh, there's no concern for credit. If, if local electeds uh, take meaningful steps forward, our group will be the first to pat them on the back. But if the effort's lacking, the pat on the back is going to be lower and harder uh, as we're not afraid to uh, publicly call out, you know, political inaction or, or missed opportunities. Uh, that said, we're not afraid to, to applaud them when they are moving forward, uh, you know, with meaningful decisions. And so Peter and Dan, that, that weekly meeting that they organized happens every Tuesday and called the Tuesday group. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tuesday group has not missed a meeting, a weekly meeting since 2016, including Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Uh, and, and those are a discussion largely around uh, strategy for what the private sector and philanthropy can do to influence change and how best to collaborate with or push on government uh, to implement system type changes uh, uh, that will move the needle. An offshoot of that is our group regularly hosts uh, symposiums led by Peter and Dan, uh, which is a wider discussion of you know, key uh, leaders in the space from government to the regional task force on homelessness, the housing commission to service providers, business community, other philanthropists um, to get people in the same room uh, dialoguing on a specific topic with uh, clear action steps following. and. When Peter and Dan first got involved, they, they realized that people in this space weren't talking to each other who should. And, and too many people were trying to put on their Superman capes and, and solve the world's problems instead of collaborating and, and having discussions around, you know, what are you doing? What are we doing? How can we better work together? And so it, it's that those are a couple examples of how we're endeavoring to uh, create systems level changes throughout San Diego. Another program we've implemented is something called Shamrocks and Shipwrecks. And it's a public grading system to measure political will and effectiveness around addressing homelessness throughout San Diego County. Good actions get shamrocks, bad actions or inactions get shipwrecks. And the whole point is to shine a light on what's working so it can be replicated, uh, but also highlight what's not so it can be corrected or avoided altogether. 
and it's it's it includes all 18 cities throughout san diego county as well as the county of san diego uh and again <clears throat> meant to uh create that unified approach of you know if, if somebody if, if leadership is our electeds are doing good things in Carlsbad. Well, let's look at that. Let's study it. And can that be scaled to the 17 other cities throughout San Diego County? Or if somebody's doing something in Chula Vista that's taking too long, well, why is that? And what can be done to to move things along? So those are a few examples of, of well, how- I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen plenty of roadmaps that have been built by various agencies to say, I think this will correct the problem. And have you ever seen any quote, social impact investing from the outside world, because look, this takes lots of money to solve. You're one agency out of many. I don't know how much money is being, quote, invested or now given into this homelessness problem to solve it here in San Diego. I don't have a a, a thumbnail view of that, but maybe you do. And then how are we measuring the impact? of all this money that's being spent uh, to help resolve the problem. And I know that in some areas, you know, you, you could call this social impact investing. That's where an investor from the outside world comes in and says, hey, I'm going to actually make an investment, but I'm looking for a return, but I want to put people to work or I want to do something like that. Do you have any examples of that working in San Diego or can you give us what you believe would be a viable roadmap for some of the many problems that you've addressed here in the last half an hour that we've been on? I'll give you a, uh, one example of a social impact investment. Um, our, our most recent employment job training program is something called Timmy's Place. It's a pizzeria and print shop run by homeless youth at a youth, youth homeless center downtown. And we provided the uh, capital cost to open the doors, and then we'll provide some operating dollars until it becomes cash flow positive because it's meant to be a sustainable enterprise that will benefit or employ about 50 youth per year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one. That's a good we're, example. We're not, yeah, we're not looking for a return on that. We're looking to employ youth create a, a sustainable business model mm-hmm. that's a social enterprise. Well, you're a nonprofit, so you're not looking Correct. for a return, but there are investors that invest in businesses Correct. that basically are taking people and trying to help them off the street, and they are for-profit, meaning the investors are for-profit. Yep. Yeah. They're, so that's one example. On the, the folks looking for a return, there are some housing funds uh, designed to add housing for the you know middle income uh, working folks because housing is so expensive and so this fund is set up to uh, in, uh, increased housing inventory for you know teachers and firefighters right. and, and policemen and generate uh, a return for those investors over time. And the the understanding from those investors would be, you know, it's they're going to take a smaller return than they might in in the uh, you know private sector, but they're benefiting 
the community at large. And what that does is it helps people, you know, the working class find homes, but it also in theory will help break up the log jam that you see in housing where it's so uh, expensive and there's such little inventory available. Yeah. And that, that's a great example because there's a company in uh, Florida called DLP uh, and what DLP is, they're going to do their goal is a million housing used units for middle income, lower middle income people, right? And so they're hoping with that impact that has, and they are paying their investors. Their investors are putting millions and millions of dollars in this to have these um, these units. They're either existing units that'll be rehabilitated or units that they're bringing online. So DLP is doing a, a big uh, impact investing fund in that arena. Um, and I love the Timmy's Place example because you're a nonprofit actually saying, look, let's employ youth. And you didn't make a loan. You basically gave money to Timmy's Place to help people, I presume, get get themselves back on the street. But all these little initiatives you've talked about take all kinds of time to not only find, but then vet and get approval and get down the stream. And you've talked about many of them. And I want to congratulate you from really managing so many of these because as the executive director, they have to come across your desk, then you take them to committee and you guys are talking about them and you're finding places where you can take the money that's coming into Lucky Duck and actually put it out into the homeless challenges that we have and help solve some of the issues. Um, In addition to the financial resources and the volunteers really play a critical role uh, in supporting uh, the homeless individuals. How's Lucky Duck engage the community and encourage volunteers to participate in many of these efforts? Because, look, you're not out paying many of your people, but you have lots of people that want to donate time. I know that on certain days, people go down to National City and box up lunches and put them in and people come in. Um, how, what, how else are you utilizing volunteers that are out there maybe listening right now and saying, hey, look, I would like to volunteer my time. It, it's always in the nonprofit world. Time, talent, treasures, um, you know, it's an important element. Yeah, we, and none of this happens without uh, the help of volunteers. I think it's 93 cents of every dollar we raise gets invested in, in programs. So we take pride in operating a, a very lean organization. We have a staff of, of two people. Uh, that we're able to accomplish these things with. And it's really through uh, an excellent board of directors and a volunteer base. And so there's lots of ways people can get involved. Uh, If you go to the share your luck tab on our website, it'll give you this big long drop down of different ways people can plug in. Uh, But we do need help. Uh, A couple examples is is packing meals through our food and water outreach initiative uh, every week down in National City. Uh, for a few hours, you can come out and, and assemble those meals and, and make a difference and, and, and help feed the heck of a lot of people. Uh, and then we also have a program that's called the Lucky Ducklings, which is all about engaging high school youth around our mission. And we're in eight or nine different high schools locally, over 100 youth uh, through that have signed on in support of our mission, who volunteer, who give back, who design their own programs and strategies. Uh, they help fundraise um, and, and go through several other exercises. It's it's sort of a built-in, uh, uh, I don't want to call it a curriculum, but a program that makes it really 
uh, easy for them to plug in and, and make a difference. And they can bring their parents along uh, for that, you know, ride as well if they want. So those are a few examples of, of where well, those are good examples. And people just need to go who are listening to luckyduckfoundation.org. You'll see a great website there. Uh, there's videos posted. There's um, all kinds of things about the programs they're doing and how you can get involved. Also, there's a donate page there. Um, for those of you who live in San Diego County, there's an upcoming event. Um, and I wanted you to speak with that because it's September. What's the date again? September 28th. Okay. And that is, um, how would people get involved in that? Just go to the website and click on the, the button. Yep. yep. Okay. It's the, it's the showcase soiree, September 28th at the sound and Del Mar brand new music venue. And we're going to have kind of an entertainment and variety show and, and we try to keep it light and fun and, and casual. It's not your traditional gala. It's an opportunity to uh, come out and 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 share your luck and be inspired and hear some you know encouraging stories and and get a better feel for who we are and who's behind our organization and and how we go out and, and make a difference. So September twenty eighth and and yeah, every, all the information is on our website at luckyduckfoundation.org. Great. You also can um, sponsor your own page. So they have it set up so that if you wanted to go out and help raise money, you literally could have your own fundraising. Uh, thing and send out an email or link to your friends or family or neighbors or Facebook it or whatever you want to do. And that's all there. And it's all pretty much automatic. You can just push a button and literally um, help them raise funds by all the people that you know, because now you're supporting Lucky Duck. So it's just a way to kind of trickle it down, let more people know about Lucky Duck Foundation. Look, and kind of wrapping up our interview here, I have two more questions. One is um, homelessness, uh, we know, you and I know, and many people know, it's, it's kind of stigmatized. Um, there's leading misconceptions. There's prejudices around this. Um, and it's almost in a lot of cases, like people don't want to touch it. They're the outcast group. You know, these are the lazy folks. These are the people that don't want to get up and do anything. Um, and I'm I'm not saying that's true with everybody, but people see it, but it's almost like, well, I see it. I don't know what to do about it, but I, I don't know if that's a charity I even really want to support. And I'm just going to be really blunt because I know what it's like and you know what it's like. How does Lucky Duck work to raise awareness and the challenges with these stereotypes about homelessness in San Diego? What are you doing as far as you're concerned to campaign to let the people know about this and to try and remove some of those um, stigmatisms that this, that, that this particular area has. Well, kind of like I mentioned earlier, let's, we, we focus on the facts and everything we put out is based on facts and decisions we make are, are based on facts. And, and in addition to that, we put out a, a fairly steady stream of content on social media, highlighting you know, individual success stories or successes of programs that we invest in, uh, because it, it it might sound cliche, but it really is one life at a time. And, and you know, if there's 5,000 people on the streets, there's 5,000 different stories. And so telling those uh, stories and those success stories uh, of people who have, have uh, you know, overcome some really challenging circumstances, that's that's really what we 
uh, try to focus on and, and do it in that collaborative spirit of, you know, everybody can own their small piece of the puzzle to make a difference, whether that's donating, whether that's volunteering or like yourself, Greg, figuring out a way to, to use your, uh, this podcast and this platform to raise awareness and, and raise some money and, and help people. Uh, and so that's where we, we really try to, to give people every opportunity to, to plug in and, and, and bring whatever strength or, or gift or, or resource they might have, uh, to make a difference while telling those stories about Emiliano, or there's a lot of stories about youth that we didn't get a chance to get into today, um, that, uh, you know, are in a much better place because of, uh, people coming together out of, out of, a, you know, a place of, of caring and, and wanting to help. Well, there's lots of stories and people can go to the website and they can learn more about these stories and what you're doing with jackets and what you're doing to build temporary housing, what you're doing to put meals, what you're doing to, as you said, aggregate this food that's, you know, kind of lost. You're doing so many different things and the touch points are so many um, that it's really quite impressive. So that being said, um, what are Lucky Duck's future goals in kind of an ongoing effort? Let's kind of wrap it up this way. In other words, if you're to project, you know, you're the executive director right now, I presume you'll stay on as executive director, leading and forging forward into the future, looking at one regional area. Like, I mean, because we're not Los Angeles, we're not Orange County, we're not Riverside, we're San Diego in particular. But if you looked at our footprint, and you looked at California, went all the way up to San Francisco and beyond, you see we have more of an issue with this because of our weather. Um, people say people migrate here. Many of the people that I've talked to on the streets came from somewhere else, right? They took a bus trip here. They got here on a train. However they got here, they got here because we do have some of the best climate in the world. Uh, and obviously, if you're going to live out on the streets, this isn't a bad place to live out on the streets. Um, what do you see trending? What are you doing to kind of put a plan together uh, to continue to grow resources, money, volunteers, whatever, into the future? And what impacts do you see yourself making in the next couple of years that could be major impacts? Uh, meaningfully reducing senior homelessness, starting there, given it's the largest and fastest growing segment of the population and one of our primary focus areas for this year, but likely beyond. Uh, same thing for youth. Youth, uh, we think, is is more uh, uh, manageable and within reach to to end youth homelessness. And like Peter Seidler and the San Diego Padres, that's that is very important to them as well. Uh, so we continue to collaborate with the Padres and several others around youth homelessness. And and the third is uh, calling on local governments to reduce uh, the criminal element or criminal behavior that revolves around the homeless population. And we think if you start with those three focus areas, uh, we can make inroads. Speaking globally about homelessness really isn't going anywhere, but picking off, you know, chunks or segments um, and, and really focusing in on those particular areas, we think is the best way to go. And so that's really what I would see for uh, the foreseeable future. And then we're also. So when you say law enforcement, reducing impact, you're saying of homeless people that are out on the streets 
<coughs> reducing the potential uh, repercussions of something they might do because of they, the fact they're homeless? Well, there's, yeah, we're talking about violent criminal behavior that can persist out on the streets. Right. There's a, a youth center downtown that was dealing with it for for months of people just acting unsafe and unruly when at the same time you're trying to help youth move off the streets and find a healthier, safer pathway in life. Simple things like that, that, uh, you know, city uh, uh, law enforcement at the direction of mayors and city managers can can create much, you know, safer environments and cities by having just a more uh, a higher level of, of presence to increase public health okay. and safety. So uh, you're talking about a higher presence of law enforcement in those areas. Yeah. 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 And, and when somebody does something that's violent, you know, get them off the streets immediately instead of saying, Hey, our, our hands are tied. Like we've had some cities tell us. Um, so, and then more broadly, we're working on a, a, a countywide strategy i'll call it that i can't quite share yet but hopefully in the not too distant future we'll be able to to share that and it it's very much based on what we talked about here unified approach immediate pathways uh working throughout the county in a, in a truly region-wide uh, uh team-oriented effort to start the process of reducing homelessness and it's really starting largely with youth and seniors well you've really amplified for our audience kind of the complexity of this. Um, and it is a complex issue because you've got law enforcement, you have all these other agencies you're dealing with, and you have these initiatives, these programs you're dealing with. We know that the homelessness issue, I'm not going to say that it's not it, it's not simple to solve. It's one of those things that there's so many elements and factors. And I think you drew attention to it. You know, for every one person, they've all got a different story. And that's what I've found is all the stories are different. Um, and to really work to change those mindsets really requires a lot. Um, it can, requires a lot of patience. It requires cooperation. It requires the fact that I want to change, you know, that I really want to get out of this situation, um, you know, that I've reached my breaking point, whatever it might be. and. However that is, I think the key is whether it's Brother Bento's or it's Father Joe's or it's San Diego Rescue Mission or it's Lucky Duck or it's the soup kitchens or it's whatever it is, we're all trying in some way to make an impact to reduce the challenges that we all face. And I think we're all out there. And I just want to thank you, Drew, for being on this morning and giving the listeners a little bit, just a little bit of insight into how your agency or your nonprofit works, I should say, um, to help to reduce these challenges and what you're doing to do that. And we're going to profile more people. I want to let my listeners know because about once a month, we're actually going to be interviewing more people that are associated with Lucky Duck or people that Drew is recommending so that you're going to actually be able to get uh, somewhat of more insight into this as well. So Drew, thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth. Thanks for taking the time to share the Lucky Duck story, your story, and how it's all working together and intertwined uh, together to uh, help homelessness. Oh, thank you so much, Greg. Appreciate you spending some time on here and featuring Lucky Duck and what you're doing to, to support our efforts and 
And uh, so it's our pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.